0: Coming up, protesters are removed from the Jabberong Embassy the details from this week's developments and a call for kindness from local supporters. An unlikely partnership is supporting the vulnerable. Aradale is the setting for a new novel and engines fall silent this November at One Tree Hill.
1: You're listening to Our Art's Latest with local journalist Jack Ward.
0: Hello and welcome. It's hard to believe, but November is here and there's only two months left of 2020 Year, our lives turned upside down. It's been a big week of news locally. I'll get to the Western Highway protest in just a moment, but let's take a quick look at other headlines locally this week. Votes are being counted in the Arat Rural City Council elections out of the 6,165 formal votes counted to date. The Victorian Electoral Commission released first preference votes on Wednesday. Those showed that current Mayor Joe Armstrong is in the lead with three times the votes of her closest candidate, Bill Watterson. There are still votes to be counted this week, but it seems Ms Armstrong is certain to be elected. Bill Watterson, Bob Sanders, Henry Burridge and Gwenda Orgwood also appear to be in a good position to secure one of the seven seats. Health authorities sprung into action late last week after traces of COVID-19 were detected in Arrat's wastewater. A pop-up clinic was quickly established at East Grampians Health Service in partnership with Ballarat Health's Rapid Response Team. Between Friday of last week and Wednesday just gone, 223 residents got tested and all results have been negative. A reminder, if you're showing symptoms, no matter how mild, you are encouraged to get tested as soon as possible. Aurat was swarmed by Victoria Police this week to remove protesters from the Jabberong Heritage Protection Embassy and surrounding camps whilst contractors cut down what the Jabberong Embassy calls a directions tree on Monday before an injunction halted further work. Personnel returned on Tuesday, closing the Western Highway in both directions in the early hours of the morning to begin removing protesters one by one from the main camp. The Aurat advocate was the only media outlet able to reach the site. That is the sound of Jabarong people, elders and supporters being removed from the camp on Tuesday morning. Police and machinery arrived on site shortly after the highway was closed at 8am. Over the next four hours, police cleared the site, arresting approximately 40 protesters for failing to leave a restricted area and a further 10 for breaching the Chief Health Officer's directions. Australia's Peak Body for Indigenous Legal Services is now calling for an urgent state government inquiry into Victoria Police's use of COVID-19 powers to arrest and charge protesters. In a statement, police said there was no indication that inappropriate force had been used. and In the meantime, the Victorian government has been ordered to stop work for three weeks on the project following further Supreme Court action. Premier Daniel Andrews was questioned about the matter this week.
1: Oh, well, we've got to get on and get this right built. Uh, I made some comments yesterday and I would just direct you to the statement that's been issued by the traditional owner group. Uh, We've moved this road to accommodate significant issues of cultural heritage. There's been court action, there's been uh, agreements and we have uh, done everything uh, that is appropriate uh, under the agreements that we have reached with those who speak for this country. I mean no disrespect to anybody else who is deeply interested in these matters uh, but it should not be glossed over, this road has been moved to take account of very significant cultural heritage issues. We continue to work closely with the traditional owner group for that country, those who speak for that country, Uh, and they have issued a statement, and I would would refer you to that statement. And I'd also refer you to the fact that if memory serves me correctly, uh, in recent years we've had 12 people lose their life on that road.
0: Protesters from the Jabarong Heritage Protection Embassy have been camped along the existing highway between Arat and Buanga since 2018 in an effort to prevent work from going ahead. The last protester remaining at the site came down from the tree in which he had spent two nights on Friday. Throughout the week, Arat's latest understands one protester was injured, breaking their arm. The developments have divided the Arak community this week. It seems the majority of local residents have celebrated the sign of progress, but many others have been grieving with the Jabirong embassy. Casey Baxter has been brave enough to stand up to the majority to call for kindness. Social media has been flooded with hateful and racist comments this week, and she doesn't want to be associated with such hatred. Miss Baxter was one of ten locals to gather at a peaceful demonstration in August of last year, where the group expressed their support for the Jabirong people. Casey joins me now. It's been a long week at the Jabrong Embassy. What's it been like for you watching these arrests unfold?
1: Um, so it's been a really emotional time for me, starting with you know that, the feelings of grief and um, devastation that the directions tree um, has been lost, and then watching the response of our community, and I guess followed by some hope seeing the national and even international attention that this has got and. The people that are are really standing up and, and advocating for our First Nations people and the protection of their culture.
0: Probably an easy question for you to answer, but why do you feel so strongly about this issue?
1: Um, yeah, there's lots <laughs> lots I could go into there. I think just the more that I learn about the history of our country, and um, the more I realise I don't know and um, think that we've been robbed off robbed of knowing um, through. You know, that First Nations people history, not being taught, not being passed on. And yeah, I guess the more that I learn, the more that I want to learn. And I think the very least we can do is is listen and respond when we're asked to do so.
0: And reflecting on, on the small get-together held last year, organised by Sarah Hamilton, what are your, some of your memories from that day? Because I know it was quite a special day for a number of locals here.
1: Yeah, it was a really special day. And um, I was incredibly proud of Sarah for stepping up and you know, putting uh, her views out there publicly and inviting others to do the same. And it was really heartening to be surrounded by people that felt the same as I did because at times I've really struggled with the presence of online comments from um, uh, locals here that have been quite hate-filled, angry, fear-based and racist. Um, on our social media platforms so to have be able to look around and and see people that were taking a stand and literally walking up the main street saying hey we don't think it's okay to speak like this and treat other fellow humans like this we're here to listen and support was it was yeah it was a really special experience
0: quite different to the comments that have been shared on social media in the last two days from locals you've been quite open about that how's that made you feel seeing some of those racist and really hateful comments being spread online
2: yeah it's, it's
1: incredibly disappointing and it's not so much that um, that they are online for us to read you know that makes me uncomfortable and upset but the real problem is that those thoughts and feelings exist that they're in the hearts of people in our community and and people that are you know, have prominent roles in our community. People working in, in all walks of
2: life, in businesses,
1: parents, as educators. It's, you know, it's a real cross section of the community that are that are coming out and enjoying um, seeing people and seeing First Nations people in pain. And and I really, I really struggle with that. And I I I keep coming back to that. It must be fear. Um, people being scared of, of what it would mean to learn more and, and perhaps just real naive ignorance. I just, I, I can't live in a, in a, in a town that, where that's the majority. So I think it does come a, from a place of lack of information, lack of learning, lack of wanting to learn um, and, and fear.
0: Do you feel as if you are the minority?
1: Yes, yeah, so I, do, I do think we are the minority. I think we're not, we're not as small as it might seem. But in terms of our route I, I, I do think we're the, we're the minority. I think there's um, the minority group is the people that are supportive of the protectors and think it is wrong to be harming this land and trees and not listen to our first nations' people. The majority is people who don't want to get involved, who don't want to have a say either way. I think the majority are people that just, it's just too much, just build the road, I don't want to know about it. And I think... Another small portion is the people that we see in the comments on Facebook, you know, with their, their awful threats and
2: racist hate.
0: Recently, there was an article published by the ABC and it was talking to one of the elders out there, Auntie Sandra Onus, and she was talking about the state of the camp and perhaps not, not, not looking like and presenting the message that maybe she was hoping was being presented. Do you think that sometimes the protectors out there may have presented the wrong message to the community?
1: Yeah, I think it's really complex um, in terms of the different people that have been involved um, yeah. on behalf of the Jabberwong people and um, the wider um, group of protectors, and that's changed over time. Um, obviously, I, I wasn't there when Aunty Sandra was, um, went out, so I'm not sure as to what <laughs> went on at that point. Mm-hmm. Huge respect for Aunty Sandra, she's an incredible woman, and I I also think you know in an in an ideal world perhaps those out at the camp would be presenting and going about things differently but it's really hard when you don't know when a right squad's going to come and and, and take you <laughs> where you are to have to constantly be um on alert and and trying to protect yourself from the element
0: Casey just before I let you go what would your message be to the ARAC community
1: I think my message to the ARAC community would be to come together in in kindness and regardless of what your opinion or thoughts are on when or if or where this road should be built, to be able to, to take a step back and, and listen to other people's viewpoint and whether or not we, we agree on that, to, to see the humanity and, um, yeah, to treat, treat one another with kindness.
0: I'll have the results from this week's Your Say poll, which relates to that story a little later in the show. It's been another week of restriction changes as Victoria continues to record low daily case numbers and even donut days, with zero new cases recorded again today. This week, gyms were able to open their doors and dance studios also returned. Dance schools didn't waste a minute in getting their students back in the studio following an easing of restrictions to allow indoor non-contact recreation for those under 18. The new ruling was to come into effect tomorrow but was brought forward to Wednesday thanks to regional Victoria's low case numbers. ARAT's two dance schools have been relieved by the news, frantically getting to work so students can perform in a modified 2020 dance concert. ARAT Dance Centre owner Carly Harris praised the state government's decision to finally let kids dance.
3: There's no contact. There's, spacing is something that we do naturally as dancers. So I think um, we've educated them a little bit more about what, our, um, what dance classes are and the fact that we're not a community sports group. Most of us are business owners. We don't run like um, sports do for kids. So I think that's um, been something we've had to educate them on as well. Um, for most of us, we're sole traders, so we're small businesses. Um, so we also come under that small business banner, which has been hit pretty hard as
0: well. Miss Harris's students returned to classes at the beginning of Term 4, undertaking their rehearsals outside to prepare for a recorded concert.
3: We started in the car park, but then the weather sort of hit, so we um, got a marquee, um, just put the roof on on one end to give a little bit of protection. It wasn't what we choose to do, but it gave us an option at least. So it's been nice just to have the kids back and doing outdoors, but obviously the safety and, you know, having the correct equipment and flooring and being able to wear the right shoes is going to be amazing.
0: Laura Cameron is another studio owner who has spent the year quickly adapting her format of teaching. Her dance school, Dynamic Dance, will also record routines instead of gracing the Town Hall stage this year.
2: We're very busy for the next four weeks of preparing the studio, preparing the students, getting some costuming um, all organised and ready and polishing all of our routines. So Dave Nicholson, amazing, he's um, offered to help us with some of the equipment and filming or all the cameras and everything, and he's going to edit it all together for the students. The audience isn't sitting there, but the camera is there, and we know that the audience will be (laughs) seeing all of our
4: work.
0: Arat Dance Centre and Dynamic Dance Arat are both returned with indoor classes this week. Adult dancers are also able to return with a maximum of 10 people in a class and density limits. Indoor exercise facilities were also able to reopen on Wednesday in regional Victoria. However, the news has been met with mixed emotions. Local gym owner Kelly Fellini remains on edge as she plans to slowly ease back into a more extensive timetable.
4: Certainly I've never lived anything like this before um, and I don't ever really want to do it again. From a personal level, it's um, yeah, it's been draining and hard and obviously from a business point of view... It's obviously drained the finances. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I, you can actually live off the smell of an oily rag when you can't do anything.
0: In recent weeks, Miss Fellini has been conducting skeleton classes at Alexandra Gardens without equipment to offer her clients some form of exercise. She plans to continue the current format for at least the next week to give herself time to adapt back into a COVID normal routine and ensure her clients are comfortable.
4: You know, I've, I've talked to the girls and, you know, we're all a bit of the same, you know. We'd like this as a backup back if the weather was inclement. Um, but I think we're just going to probably we're certainly going to be down there this week and I wouldn't even be surprised if we are even still down there next week and you know I'm going to probably let them call at the most I want to keep those numbers that I've got down there and if they're more comfortable outside well then that's Mm -hmm. where we'll stay and it takes off all that pressure of all that extra cleaning and
0: Miss Fellini said the cleaning requirements for indoor classes double her workload and with a large percentage of her clients over sixty years of age, it also heightens her anxiety.
4: The whole cleaning thing and the hygiene thing is a big job and it's huge, but it needs to be done. Um, and it needs to be done well. I, I just can't even express how important it is that I have it covered. I've not you know, I've got young bodies in here too, but obviously the young bodies in, I've got to make sure they work hard, but I've cleaned up well after them so that when my mature eight, mature adults come in that I've covered all bases because, like I said before, i just never forgive myself mm. if I've missed something and, you know, we just happen to get a case float through.
0: Coming up, there'll be an absent, absence of burning rubber this November at One Tree Hill and an, an, an unlikely partnership is helping the vulnerable. the story if you have an issue or event get in contact you the listener are the heart of our latest so send me a message or email latest at gmail.com if you have a news tip or an issue you want explored together we can get the answers shine a light on local achievements and ensure everyone stays informed with what matters in our community Arat Neighbourhood House and Corrections Victoria have formed a partnership to provide frozen meals for Arat's most vulnerable. Neighbourhood House Major Lou Macon and staff member Natasha Hughes explained the initiative.
5: So the, the partnership developed earlier in the year, just before COVID, we actually developed a partnership. They send some of their staff come in and collect surplus produce from the food hub, take it back to their facility and... The residents then cook meals and um, some desserts, some main meals, soups, different kinds of food that we can... Then they freeze it, bring it back, and we distribute it out to the community.
0: As an organisation, uh, how excited were you to get this partnership up and, up and running?
5: I was really excited because it gives us another way that we can support the most vulnerable members of our community. So there's a lot of people who, um, for one reason or another struggle to put healthy meals on the table or it could be just a lack of cooking skills. It could be that they have no home. Um, and by us having the pre-prepared meals, we're able to give them something substantial that they can eat. So I was really excited to have this up and running.
0: And what's the response been from those people that are getting those frozen meals?
5: Oh, look, <laughs> we've had really positive responses, haven't we? A static. A lot of people are overwhelmed and um, appreciative. And, and another um, section of the community that we've reached through specifically with the frozen meals are the um, participants of the Patricia Day Centre so they have had to be isolated and at home because the program they can't come to the program and their staff have um, supported them by providing Hampers to them and we prepare those hampers for them and obviously the frozen meals go in And something you
0: wouldn't be able to do without that partnership with Corrections Victoria. Oh
5: definitely not Definitely mm. not. No, they've really really helped in ways that we we don't have a lot of staff The partnership with Corrections, it's been fabulous that we've been able to offer that bit of extra support.
0: Do you think some people in the community might be a little bit surprised by this partnership?
5: I think they would be. Hmm. Yeah, I I definitely do think they would be.
0: Yeah, why do you think that?
5: Well, because it's not publicised. I really like to acknowledge the partnership with Corrections. I think without their support, there are so many people that we would not have been able to reach for various reasons.
0: Neighbourhood House is now looking at ways to expand the offering to residents across the wider Ararat region. They have applied for a grant to hopefully buy a refrigerated vehicle that they can then use for collection and distribution of food further afield. Now to this week's Your Say poll. It relates to the call for kindness when making social media posts. The question was, have you been concerned by the social media comments posted in response to the Western Highway protest? 130 people had their say, 46% said yes, they have been concerned, whilst 54% said they have not. Coming up next, an Aradale love story you don't want to miss. A love for Ararat has influenced a Melbourne author's debut novel set at the infamous Aradale. J-Ward volunteer Melissa Brown has penned Number One Flint Hill, a a historical novel that follows the love story of a Victorian doctor. He believes he has witnessed the worst of humanity in his job of treating patients on the Ballarat goldfields until he steps through the doors of the Ararat Lunatic Asylum. Mrs Brown is on the line, where has your interest in the asylum come from?
2: I think my interest came from obviously um, coming into Ararat and having a look at the place on a ghost tour. Then I revisited and did a daytime tour through uh, Aradale also within the same year, which is probably going back eight years ago now. Um, and it really did pique my interest as to what patients' lives would have been like, what people's lives would have been like, the people that worked in there. I also had um, the insight into the fact that my son, which I'm quite open about, was um, diagnosed with epilepsy at that time. And it really got me thinking about what people's lives in the asylum would have been like with um, diseases and ailments such as epilepsy and so forth. So I basically went away from there and started reading as much as I could about um, Victoria's history with asylums. And that's where the interest came from. And the just a beautiful little town of Ararat, and how much it's got to offer.
0: And of course, it is historical fiction. How much of this is yeah. based on facts?
2: Well, I did. I did a lot of reading on reports um, of of all of our Victorian asylums through through the years. Uh, looked a lot through troves, read a lot um, police gazettes and bits and pieces. I have embellished the story. It is a work of fiction. I have not used real people, real patients' names and real doctors of the time. I made sure that I was very authentic to my own uh, character building in the story. So the story is absolute fiction. But what I have woven into the story is where the buildings and what Ararat would have been like in the day. So I've tried to keep the facts of the day and what the town would have been like, roughly, with a very embellished fictional story woven into that.
0: You mentioned just before that you were reflecting, I suppose, on your first visit to Ararat and going to Aradale for the first time. Would you say that you fell in love with Ararat on that trip?
2: I absolutely did, yes. I, I remember standing at the front door of the asylum to start with at Aradale, and I looked up with the lights, you know, beaming up onto the front of the building, and I said to my friend I was with, I said, I think I've just found my next novel <laughs> and uh, and I, I cannot believe this place is here and I've never seen it before and I was absolutely blown away. Then going into town and just seeing this quaint, gorgeous town uh, of an evening and then coming back through the day and going up to One Tree Hill and having a look around the town and just, um, yeah, I, did, I absolutely fell in love with it.
0: The book can be purchased at melissa.online and Melissa is spelt asylum backwards. Lastly today, the echo of engines revving across town and the smell of burning rubber will be absent from One Tree Hill this November. Rat Car Club announced this week that their annual King of the Hill event will be unable to proceed under current restrictions and with the South Australian border still closed. Club Vice President Chris Harwood said the weekend-long battle between Victorian and South Australian drivers is the latest to be canned in 2020.
3: Scheduled to have three hill climbs this year, um, as well as having some smaller motor car events uh, throughout the year as well. And, and of course, yeah, with the COVID-19 coming in, and uh, we haven't had any racing of any sort this year at all. It's been very challenging. Um, we've always strived to... Uh, have some safe events uh, for people locally and not so likely to come and uh, test their skills out in their vehicles.
0: The King of the Hill first begun back in 2008 between the neighbouring states in an effort to take home the Peter Hall Memorial State of Origin trophy.
3: Hotly contested. Uh, unfortunately, this year with the border restrictions still on place, uh, we're not able to get the South Australians over um, we generally get uh, around about 80 competitors and when you add in spectators and, and pit crew and officials and stuff like that, it works out to be about four or 500 people.
0: Mr Harwood said estimations predict that ARRAT will have missed an injection of about $300,000 for each hill climb cancelled this year. At the moment, events can only occur with a limited number of people, so even if the border between the two states was to open, Parks Victoria is not looking to approve any permits for larger events until December at the earliest.
3: We run a safe event, we want to continue to keep running a safe event, all right? and we can't run a safe event in the environment that we're in at the moment.
0: That brings me to the end of this week's show. Thank you for joining me. Be sure to listen back to all past episodes on your favourite podcasting app and don't forget to leave a review. I'll be radio silent for the next month and a half as I wrap up my school year and prepare for Year 12, but please do join me back again on December 19. Until then, stay safe. This was Arrat's Latest.